To some, it might appear like circumstance, but I don't think it is. Some time ago, earlier this year, your church leaders, your pastoral team began to pray and ask God to show us the way to help us figure out what we should do as a community, what was our purpose, what we needed to talk about, what should our services be about, what should the sermons be about. And several months ago, as we began to pray for this, God led the way and he showed us that we needed to get into these small group conversations. In particular, we wrestled whether or not we should use a resource, uh, a special resource that we had tried before called Bible Studies for Life. And although there was some reluctance uh, in parts of our community, we decided that we needed to trust God's leading. We did not know when we ordered the books long before that, that six weeks ago, as we began to have the conversation, that that very Sunday, that that very weekend, right before our first week, there would be this great and unexplainable act of evil in Las Vegas. Do you remember that? Six weeks ago, we began our conversation about spiritual warfare and the term and the title of that week was Evil Has a Name. That week, the nation was gripped with what had happened in Las Vegas. Unexplainable uh, terror, if you will. And we, as we discussed that, and our verse for the week came from Revelation chapter 12 that said, the Bible says that there was war in heaven and that God cast down the serpent, that ancient serpent. And that he was hurled down to the earth. We're going to read that in a second. But who would have known that we began our conversation with a massacre and now six weeks later as we end our series, the nation is also gripped by a massacre. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? We started our conversation with bloodshed and again this week in the news in Texas. In a church. Blood was spilled Lives were lost. The newspapers tell us there was like a war scene inside. The first responders, a husband and wife team, they said the things that we saw can't be unseen. It's as if war has found us. It's not on the other side of the world. It's here in our communities, in our streets, and in our churches. But friends, we knew that already. Please turn your Bibles to the book of Revelation uh, as we conclude our series on spiritual battles. Uh, we're going to look back, and I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Re Revelation chapter 12, which is where we began our conversation. <clears throat> the Word of God tells us in Revelation chapter 12, beginning with verse 7, that there was war in heaven. Are you reading it there with me? Uh, turn your Bibles wherever you are. There's a Bible in the pew in front of you. Open up in your, in your, in your smartphones. We're going to look at a few different places, but I want you to follow along with me. There was war in heaven, chapter 12, verse 7. And this is what it says. And Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. And the great dragon was hurled down, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. We began our conversation about spiritual battles with this particular statement that the devil is real. Evil has a name. The Bible calls him Satan. The devil, the ancient serpent. The Bible describes this being not with a proper name, but with adjectives. In fact, Satan and the devil are not proper names. They're functions. And if you were here six weeks ago, this was the conversation that we began with. The Word of God wants us to be aware that the devil is real. 
and that there is a battle going on. If you read there right there, it says that the ancient serpent was hurled down to the earth. Notice what it says next. And then I heard a loud voice in the heaven. And he says, and now has come the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser, that's what Satan means, the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. The Bible describes this scenario. We call it the great controversy or conflicto de los siglos if you're, it comes from Spanish-speaking church where there's a battle between God and his angels and, and, and Satan and, and a third of the heavenly realm. And the Bible says that this third, when they rose up against God, could not defeat the archangel Michael, so they were hurled down, cast down to the earth. The Bible says that this ancient serpent the dragon has two functions. You see it right there? He leads the world astray and accuses God's people before God day and night. His name represents those two functions. <clears throat> and what the Bible wants us to learn and understand here is that the world that we live in, the situation that we live in, is not just about physical problems but about spiritual battles. Um, Michael, are you up there? Can't see you. Can you give me permission again? It, it lost it. So I want to uh, recap and review what we've been talking this past week. And, and listen, it's right there in, in, in the biblical narrative. There was war in the heaven, and that serpent has been hurled down to earth. So the Bible tells us and wants us to know that the devil is real. He is the accuser. He is the deceiver. The source of the accusations and the challenges and the problems that we face come from the devil. He is the father of all lies. The battle is real and the devil is real. I know that we live in a culture, uh, in a time in, in our history where people think we're beyond religion, right? You have friends. You work with people who say, oh, I don't go to church. I don't believe all that stuff. That's just nonsense. Uh, that, that religion is for the weak-minded, a crutch. But how else... Do you explain what's happening in our world? How else do you explain what happened in Texas? Young, pregnant moms being gunned down with AR-15s. How do you explain that? Some would say it's mental health. Some say it's a gun problem. I say evil is real. It has a name. The devil is real. The Bible says that his, his whole purpose is to lead the world astray. He is the deceiver. He is the accuser. And the Bible says that he is the one who's roaring around hoping to prey on someone. And maybe, maybe we can distance ourselves from that bloody massacre. But I believe that in our own lives there are massacres happening every day. People, young people, adults, senior citizens that we massacre with our words and with our attitudes. The battle is real. The devil is real. If you don't believe that he is, if you refuse to acknowledge what the Bible calls as true, then you put yourself in a dangerous situation. The devil is real. But understand this. The Bible says the accuser of our brothers accuses them before God day and night. He has been hurled down. But, read with me, verse 11, chapter 12, book of Revelation. But they overcame him by the blood of the land and by the word of their testimony. See, the devil is real. He is the one who accuses you, deceives you. But we can overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. No amens to that? So, friends, I, I don't know about you, but... I live in a world that is inundated by things I can't explain or understand. 
things that make me feel anxious about raising my kids, having a family, and, and, and leading a church. But the Bible says all that stuff that you're concerned about, we can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I got to say amen to that. I say amen because amen is my expression of faith and hoping that it is true and claiming it to be true. I say amen because I believe that we can, in fact, overcome the devil's schemes by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. See, this is how it works. The blood of the lamb forgives our past and the word of our testimony highlights our future. The blood of the lamb is what allows us to be covered in the forgiving blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And the word of our testimony calls by faith into reality something that isn't true yet. We say by faith we trust that God will deliver us tomorrow. By faith we say what God has done in the past he will do again. By faith we say I might be in the middle of a battle right now but God has already won the victory. Amen? The blood of the lamb forgives my past. And the word of my testimony highlights the future. The devil is real, friends. And he's hard at work. The devil and his angels are hard at work. They're hard at work right here in our community and in your life. But Jesus has left for us battle plans. And today I want to share that with you. And hopefully in a way that you can remember. First, I'm just going to get right to it. Are you ready? This is sermon for today is called Battle Plans. I'm going to give you some things that we've been learning, we've been discussing in the last several weeks, hopefully in a way that you can remember as you face your daily, weekly, hourly battles with the accuser and the deceiver. And first, first part of, part of our, our battle plan is this. Keep a song in your heart. You know, one of a, a teacher's favorite quotes is from Ben Franklin that says, if you fail to prepare, you, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. I'm telling you, we need to have battle plans. If you don't have battle plans, the devil has got wide open season on you. If you think that in the moment you're going to figure it out, and this is the thing about us, the, the religious types, we think that basically when the moment comes, that's when I'll rise up. We think like, yeah, when the battle comes, oh, I'll know what to do then. I don't have to worry about it. Think about it now. But if you fail to plan, you Plan to fail. Ben Franklin said that. So I'm going to give you some battle plans. It's going to happen to you this week. And when it happens to you this week, I want you to remember these things. First one, keep a song in your heart. I confess the first service. I confess it freely. Um, I was a terrible pathfinder. Good job on you guys, pathfinders, to put on a skit for today. You know, fantastic work. I was a terrible pathfinder. I lasted three weeks at the, uh, at, the, at the Spanish Church Pathfinder Club, three weeks. I think it was because my uncle was the Pathfinder director and he kicked me out. Um, but it was probably my fault. I have trouble with authority and I didn't know how to drill. I don't know what happened. But I remember being, getting kicked out of Pathfinders. I wasn't a very good Pathfinder. But I still remember that the Pathfinder pledge says, keep a song in your heart. There's something about a level I, which I thought is good for baseball. Um, but there's a keep a song in your heart, right? Any Pathfinders? Any former Pathfinders? Keep a song in your heart. That's battle plan number one, all right? Keep a song in your heart. Why, what, are you, what are you talking about, Pastor? Why do we need a song? Why do we need music? This is what the Word of God says. Chapter 96, the book of Psalms. Come on, let's get to it. Get in the Word. 96, Psalms 96, right in the middle of the Bible. Just pop it open. You'll find Psalm 96, verse 2. This is what the Word of God says. <clears throat> the psalmist says this. 
sing to the Lord, praise his name, and proclaim his salvation day after day. If you do a word search for praise or the word sing, you're going to find tons of references in the biblical narrative, especially in the book of Psalms. And if you read them, you'll understand, you'll begin to understand why David is such an amazing character in the Bible is because he was immersed in song. His life, day after day, was filled with song. See, he tells us, if you read, he says, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord, proclaim, praise his name. Sometimes his songs were sad, sometimes they were joyous, but his heart was filled with song. Keep a song in your heart. You want to know why? Because the song that's in your heart sets the atmosphere around you. Because the song that's in your heart sets the temperature of your heart. If you don't believe me, just try it. You're driving down the street, you're driving down the road, depending what kind of music you're listening to, the song that's circulating in your heart will depend how you drive. Ever notice that? You know what I'm talking about. When the beat gets faster and you start banging your head, you're, you start battling, you know, you're like, and then you cut people off. It's just what happens. And when you're listening to some mellow music, you start slowing down. It's just what happens. The song that's in your heart sets the atmosphere of your heart, sets the temperature right around you. You know how that works. That's why, that's why when you go to Hobby Lobby, everybody's such a cheerful mood. Ever notice that? They're playing Christian music, you know, like elevator music. But it's, you ever notice that? People are shopping. I was there yesterday. People are shopping at Hobby Lobby, and they have no idea why they're so pleasant. There's this music in the background. They don't know, what is that? I've never heard of that. It's, you know, <laughs> it's, Lord, I lift your name on high, but elevator style. <laughs> go ahead, go, go. Check it out. It's why businesses know uh, they try to set the mood with the music that they play to create a certain energy in you. We are musical people. It's woven into us, whether you sing or play a piano or not. Music is a way to express the temperature of your heart. That's why the Pathfinder says, keep a song in your heart. But what I'm telling you is, rather than letting the song choose you, you choose the song. Keep a song. And what is your song? See, when I was uh, um, in college, I used to work at a nine-to-five job that I just, I did not like. It was filing. I just filed, filed all day long. And the song that was in my heart, it would play it on the radio, especially on Friday. Some of you guys might remember. It goes something like this. I don't want to work. I just want to bang on this drum all day. Nobody heard that song? You know what I'm talking about. And then you're like, yeah. And you're like, I don't want to. And you got this feeling like that's the thing, a song in my heart. I hated that job. I didn't want to file. And it was, that's the song that I kept on. But it sets the temperature right around you. The song that's in your heart will determine how warm, how cold, how callous your heart is. So what is your song? Do you have one? You know what it is? Do you know why we sing here at church? It's because we're trying to inception a new song for your heart. It's what the Word of God says. Sing to him a new song out of your lips. Sing to him a new song. The psalmist says, sing to him and proclaim his salvation day after day. The psalmist knew that the song was going to stay in your heart day after day. So what is your song? Do you have a song? Choose one. Choose one that reflects the truth about yourself rather than believing the lies about yourself. I'm telling you the honest truth. As we discussed this a few weeks ago, I was uh, struggling with some doubts and challenges in my own life. You know, I'm, I'm sure I confessed it to you. I'll tell it to you now. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I kept coming to, waking up about 2 or 3 in the morning. Now, I do go to bed, I'm a night owl, but I don't normally wake up till you know, morning time. But I'd be sleeping in there, and through no reason other than, I'm not sure I can explain, I would just kind of come to. 
And there I was laying in my bed. It's kind of like awake in the middle of the night. But you, you know what happens when I come to and wake up in the middle of the night? Have you ever done that? You know what goes through my mind like at 2 or 3 in the morning? Worries. Concerns. I can't go back to sleep because I start thinking about all the stuff that I have to do. You with me? All the stuff that I have to do, all the stuff I didn't do, and all the stuff I did wrong. So I kept waking up and, 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 and worried about stuff. I was, I was like, doing a good job at church. You know, was, you know, did we choose the right stuff? Did I say the right thing? It, don't get freaked out, but I see your faces. I see you at night and I worry. Some of you were not here. And I'm like, oh, did I say something wrong? I begin, and when in, in those moments of doubt, the accuser comes and he says, yeah, they left the church because of you. The accuser comes and says, you're not doing a good job. The accuser deceives me and he says, see, you need to work harder, try more. You need to do this. You are not good enough. You're the accuser. And I began to be filled with that fear and anxiety. And during that week, as I was resting and praying with God, God sent me a song. It's driving down the street, listening to K-Love 102.1. Go ahead, find it in your dials. And, and, and the song came on. It's a song that we, we used to sing here. We don't sing very much anymore, but it's called Your Love Never Fails. And, and in the middle of that song, uh, the, the, the verse says, I don't have to be afraid because your love never fails. So I, I decided to keep that song in my heart. And the next night when I came to, before I could be fully awake and immersed in my worries, as I, as I was coming to, I just kept singing the song. I don't have to be afraid because your love never fails. And I began to say it. And it pushed the doubts away because the song in my heart sets the temperature in my heart and I could go back to sleep. So I'm giving you battle plans. When you are faced with battles this week, when the tempter and the accuser, the deceiver comes at you, what's the song in your heart? What's the song that is going to come up and set the temperature? Do you have a song? What is your heart singing? Number two, we have to be in the word. When the battle comes, when the tempter comes, when the deceiver comes and he tries to tell you something about yourself, you're not good enough, you did this wrong, you are unlovable, unforgivable. When the battle comes, you must be immersed in the word. We have always prided ourselves as good Adventists that we were people of the word, the Bible and the Bible only. But the truth is, nowadays, the Bible seems to be forgotten in our daily walk. We kind of know it. We memorize scripture when we were little, but, but we don't really sink into it. And what I'm telling you is one of the battle plans that you need to make is that you're going to soak up the word. Not read the word, but soak up the word like a sponge. Sit in it and absorb it as much as you can. We have to be in the word of God because the word of God is solid footing. It can be trusted. It has proven itself for thousands of years. And it is the word of the living God. In today's day and age, we are tempted to trust our own ideas and our own beliefs, our own judgments, our own conclusions. But every time we do that, you'll find yourself somewhere you don't want to end up. You with me? Every time you trust your own judgment, you'll end up someplace you don't really want to be. That's why the Bible says, lean not on my own understandings, but trust in God's ways instead. So we have to be in the word, immersed in the word. 
Last week we talked about the armor of God. If you were here, we talked about the full armor in Ephesians chapter 6. The Bible talks about the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, and it talks about the sword of the Spirit. You remember? Anyone? The one? Bueller? Okay. The sword of the Spirit. In the, in, in the biblical narrative, the sword of the Spirit is the only part of the armor that is offensive. Everything else is defensive, protecting, uh, proclaiming, holding your ground. But the sword of the Spirit is offensive. But, but I want to clarify something that we learned in our small group Bible study, but I think it's really important for us. When, when Paul was mentioning this, he was using this illustration because the people of their day would know what a Roman soldier looked like. So when he said breastplate of righteousness, they would know what a Roman soldier would wear, what it would look like. But the sword that they would carry isn't like the sword that you and I are thinking of. <clears throat> Oftentimes when we read the, 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 the Bible in modern language, we think the sword of the spirit, we think like samurai sword, right? This long sword, we're going to start slicing and dicing. And unfortunately, many Adventists think that the Bible is a weapon of destruction. So they take verses in scripture and they begin to slice and dice people. But that's actually not what the Bible says. In fact... When Paul is describing a Roman soldier, the sword they had would be more like a small dagger. Listen carefully. A small dagger meant to be used in close combat. So the sword of the spirit isn't a weapon that you use to cut other people down. It's actually meant to be used only in close combat. And you know who the closest combatant to you is? You. You. You are the closest combatant. It's yourself. The sword of the Spirit is meant to take back ground that you've lost against your sinful nature. That's why when we apply the scripture, we apply it to defend ourselves against the enemy's attacks that come from inside of ourselves, our sinful nature. It isn't meant so we can stab other people. Oh, let me get those Jehovah's Witnesses. No, that's not what it's for. It's meant so that we can apply it to ourselves and cut out from us the sinful nature. You following me? So we have to be in the word, not so that we, when I was a little kid, we remember our scripture because my parents would tell me, oh, someday you're going to have to stand up to those, whatever, you fill in the blank. And I thought my job was to memorize so I can like quote people and tell but no, we memorize scripture so we can defend ourselves against the enemy that is accusing us from inside of ourselves. You listening? Some of you guys, you need to pay attention right now. You need to memorize scripture to protect yourself from yourself. Because the greatest battle is yourself. We are adept. You are. I am adept at the art of self-deception. Here's what it looks like. You come to a situation, fork in the road, decision A, decision B. And you know the right path, the one that God has said. But you choose the wrong path and then you rationalize your way into thinking that it was the right path. You with me? You say things like, well, it's just one time. This can't really hurt. It's better that they don't know. Uh, I'll only do it a little bit. Uh, I'm not hurting anyone else. We are adept at the art of self-deception. And the word of God, the sword of the spirit, is the only thing that will cut through our own nonsense. When someone else tries to stab you with the word of the Spirit, what do you do? You defend with the breastplate of (laughs) self-righteousness. Right? 
oh no, not me. Oh, I, I would never. Oh no, I go to church. I, we defend. The sword of the Spirit isn't a, a weapon of attack. It takes ground back by cutting from us our own sinful habits and vices. But we've got to be in the Word to know the Word. We've got to be in the Word. So I tell you every week, but you just stare back at me. I tell you, read your Word, and you just stare back at me. You're unprepared. It's not for me. It's for you. The sword of the Spirit is for you to use against the attacks that come from you. So memorize your scripture. It allows you to take background in close combat. If you don't have the scriptures, if you don't have it memorized, then you lean on your own understandings and you give the devil an easy entry. If you don't know the truth of the Word of God, anything the devil says kind of sounds like the truth, right? With great power comes great responsibility. Amen. Is that biblical? <laughs> right? Think about it. You meet, a, you meet a bunch of people every day who are like, yeah, just use the force. Just trust the force. It will lead you in the right way. What you feel is right is right because that's my truth. Is that God? Is that the sword of the Spirit? No. It's the sword of our own self-rationalization. We are oftentimes our greatest enemy. And the devil knows that. That's why he is called the accuser and the deceiver. He is fooling you into thinking that you can handle this without God. You and I have to be in the Word. Not so that we can get stickers. No one's going to give you kudos. It's so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Be immersed in the Word. Next one. This is important. As I, as I came in today and as I was preparing to stand up here, I know that this is happening right now, right here in this very room. So I'm just going to call it out. The person sitting next to you is not the enemy. Your husband, your wife, your friend, he or she is not the enemy. The Bible says so. Look, Ephesians chapter 6. Go ahead. Come, don't trust me. Just Please look for yourselves. I just told you you've got to be in the Word. Look for yourselves. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our battle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Thank you, David. The rest of you guys don't believe me? <laughs> The Apostle Paul wants us to understand. Look, we just got done singing, we are the sons, we are the daughters of God. But, but the devil wants you to believe that he's the problem, that she is the cause of your issues. Right? You with me? Come on. You know it's true. You're sitting next to them right now, and you're thinking, ah, this is all her fault. <laughs> this is all his fault. If he just, if she just, the devil leads us astray into believing that the root of our problems is the person we're in relationship with. Our boss, our moms, our dads, the pastor, the Sabbath school, that someone else. But we are not each other's enemy. No, in fact, we need each other. The Bible says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Continue to gather together. The, the God's antidote, his battle plan is to unite us. The devil's plan is to divide us. Think about it. In our current context, political and social, everything is framed in that way. The enemy. Those versus those. Us versus them. 
Everything is framed in that context. Are you with us? Are you against us? Are you for or against? You get to vote. Do I like or do I dislike? There's this constant pressure to identify the enemy, to be accusers. You understand? You tracking with me? But the Bible says our real struggle is not with each other, but with powers and principalities. Do you know that the person sitting next to you that you've been fighting with and arguing with, they're actually God's gift to you to help you overcome yourself. They're actually God's greatest grace to teach you how to rely on Him and His righteousness rather than your own. Think about it. It's why God gave you that particular wife or this particular husband. I know what you're thinking. As I sit with people all the time and they say to me, oh, if he would just, oh. <laughs> right? And the devil says, you need to get a newer model. The devil tells you, you need an upgrade. You deserve an upgrade. How long has it been? You're due for an upgrade. If you had an upgrade, you would be happier, faster, more relaxed. Life would be better if you just upgraded this person in your life. That's the devil. But God has given us to one another to grow our faith. Do you know that the person sitting next to you, the person that you're in relationship with, is God's greatest tool in teaching you patience and forgiveness? You don't have to learn forgiveness until you have to forgive. Hmm? You don't have to learn self-sacrifice until the person next to you forces you to submit yourself in sacrificial living. He or she is not the enemy. Paul says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Listen, it's right there, but you've got to figure this out. This is the battle plan. Understand that the person you're going to argue with this week, that boss, that co-worker, whoever is going to come before you, your temptation is going to want to say, it's them. But God says, no. The real battle is against the devil that's trying to create the accusations and divisions. He or she is not the enemy. And the last one, the way to win this week is to give in through prayer. To give in through prayer. It's right there. Chapter 6, Ephesians, verse 18. And it says this. At the end of the armor, the Apostle Paul says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the saints. Friends, we have been given... We have been given the opportunity to claim victory. How? By actually giving up. We claim victory by giving up. Giving up on ourselves, our self-righteousness, and our own ideas. And giving in to God and His ways. And the way we do that is through prayer. Because see, prayer adopts the posture of surrender. It's why we bow our heads and bend our knees. Prayer puts us in a position of submission. Prayer is what allows us to say, not my will, but your will. So the Apostle Paul says here, pray all kinds of prayers with all kinds of requests. Continue to pray. Be in a position of prayer. Live a late, because that's how you give in. Prayer is what refocuses your stance. If you want to battle the devil on your own with your own wits, you are going to be overrun. 
Friends, the truth is, like in every part of your life, you're doing a battle. And long before something becomes physical, long before a gun is picked up and, and, and a murder is carried, long before something becomes physical, the battle is taking place in the hearts and the minds of God's people. So I mentioned it earlier. Sometimes it's not bloody, but it's a massacre nonetheless. Long before you say that word that cuts down and hurts the person next to you, the battle has taken place in your heart. And the way we adopt a winning position is by giving in. Giving in. In our Bible study for this past month, uh, they gave this suggestion. I want to pass it on to you. They say, pray often. Make it a habit. So I'm going to challenge you. I know you pray before you eat two or three times a day, but, but add at least two more times. Choose to, 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 to intentionally pray before you step into the office this week or before you step into the classroom this week. Before you begin uh, leading a conversation, choose to pray then. Choose to pray one more time at the end of the day to, to remember and think what God has done. Before you enter the house, when you pull in the driveway, when you get home, before you put down your backpack from school, choose to pray in that moment because you need to adopt a position of surrender in order to win. You've got to give in in order to win. They say also uh, pray daily. Their suggestion is that we need, to, we need to practice a total dependence of God. Don't just come when you need something. Practice a complete, total dependence. Pray, pray daily. And last, they say pray constantly, which is to invite God into every situation. Don't save God for the spiritual ones that you think. No, invite him into every situation. So you're going to meet up with somebody and have coffee. Invite God in. So you're going to go buy a car. Invite God in. So you're going to resolve a dispute with your landlord. Invite God in. Pray often. Pray daily. Pray constantly. Give in through prayer. So here, I hope you remember. How do we win spiritual battles? This is the last of our conversation for these six weeks. We sing. Keep a song in your heart. Be in the word. Remember that she's not the enemy. He's not the enemy. And last, give in through prayer. Give in through prayer. Not complicated. I just want you to remember. So when you face battles this week, I'm going to invite the worship team to come and join me on the stage. When you fight, face battles this week, when, you, when the devil's accusing you, when the, when, when the devil's deceiving you, when he's trying to lead you astray, sing. Song in your heart. Read the word. Memorize. Let that scripture come to mind. God will give you the words if you have soaked them up. Remember the person standing in front of you. They are not the enemy. They, he or she, is also a son or a daughter of God. So adopt the posture of prayer and let God change the outcome. Because you will win if you give in. Give in through prayer. Sing. Sing. Just sing. Spiritual battles are going to happen. They're real. They're real. And we need to understand that the devil is trying to destroy us. But when we sing, we claim victory. So would you please stand and sing with us. And cry out to God and let him give you victory this week.